Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller here with Pat Nemers. Once again, we are... The at, dynamic duo. At the podcast table uh, discussing the Sunday message, which is unity unity in the church. Walk in unity. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Yep. Correct. And we, and we also have with us, as we do every week, but I don't. we don't introduce him very often, one of our tech guys, he's our videographer, and uh, the one who puts up the videos that we see on all social media posts, and he's just a quiet, faithful worker. we got Tanner Archer with us. Yeah, Tanner, the man behind the curtain. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just told Tanner uh, in this long, well-prepared podcast that uh, I might, and I might, invoke his uh, his uh, his thoughts on one of the one of the points of our discussion today yeah yeah this has really been uh, as I listened to the message it was just there's a there's a lot of good stuff in here there's lots of different things we could talk about and um, just a lot of practical theology and how we live it out and what that looks like within the church and as individuals um, but why don't you just give us a quick quick overview of kind of what you talked about, and then we'll jump into some of these questions. Uh, there's some there's some good good topics here to discuss. Well, we actually turned the turned the page, so to speak, or uh, the hinge uh, in the uh, book of Ephesians as we began chapter four. And we call it a hinge because those first three chapters are just front loaded with great deep doctrine. It's a it's it's arguably the most condensed version of doctrine found anywhere in the New Testament. And so what do you do with that doctrine? This is all Abe Millerism stuff. Yeah, let's it go. Does not enough to have your head full of uh, truth. You better have a walk that goes with it. So we went from the wealth that we have in Christ to the beginning of our series of walking with Christ. And the first sermon that we had on Sunday was to walk in unity. And those first six verses are really talking about Paul. He says, here, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, but I'm urging you to walk in a manner that's worthy. And I, you know, for me personally, as a Bible expositor, I love the richness of some words. And we said that word worthy means of equal weight. And so uh, the idea is that our walk with Jesus needs to start, needs to kind of find itself on the the scale, so to speak, uh, matching up with what we believe. Yep. So, and that is all uh, a part of walking in unity. So he kind of gets into that whole business of what this looks like. You need to be saved for sure. And uh, that's a, that's the biggest deal of them all, right? You must be saved. I mean, that's what that first half of Ephesians was all about. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, you're not going to be part of the unity of the church. In fact, uh, you're going to be part of the, you know, the fracturing of the church, I think, rather. Uh, so we, that was the first part. We spent a little time on that. Not too much time, but just to confirm the fact that if you're going to, if the church is going to be unified, it has to be a saved membership. That's a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. We make a big deal about that. Yep. yep. Yeah. They, one, of, one of the other things you talked about, too, was the cultivation of the inner man, you know, real, real to the brethren and to the outsiders as well, you know, and I think that's a... It's where the rubber meets the road on some level, right? Like a lot of people can attend church or be at a church or um, say they're a Christian, but like really what is um, what is the inner man? What What's actually happening in our hearts, the character, the follow through, the consistency, the faithfulness? I mean, those are all things that we would say that's the fruit of someone who's been yeah. born again. You know, they're a new yeah. creation in Christ. And that these, to me, a lot of these things are those things that like, there's the evidence, there's the proof of somebody that... Um, has been 
has been changed by the gospel. Um, and I, and I love the, I love the other thing that you talked about that, that urge you, encourage you, exhort you to come alongside of, and that's really what this is, right? Um, Paul encouraging us and pushing us. I really, I really appreciate it. You, you said something like how many of you like to be encouraged, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we all love to be encouraged or, yeah. Yeah. A, you know, pushed, pushed forward or exhorted. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's a huge thing for all of us. I was uh, talking just before you came in with our tech guy here with Tanner. I said, Tanner, I mean, you, you, he sat through, in fact, you weren't, you're not just on our team. You were, you were at the helm uh, running part of the technology all morning on Sunday, weren't you? Yep. Sitting back there running the slides. So Tanner says, well, you were definitely, you know, definitely excited and uh, throughout all three services and which was nice of you to say. So I said, so Tanner, you listened to all three services. What was the, what was, what part of the sermon stood out most to you? And what was that sermon? This goes a little bit along the lines of what you're talking about. Abe. Yeah. Yeah. The story about encouragement, kind of like Abe was talking about, but the story, how you delivered it to the story about the story about, uh, I forget her name. Uh, uh dear Abby, dear Abby. Yes. Yeah. And how she used that example of encouragement with the students I like how you delivered it too, you know, like, like, you know, that was a great story in and of itself. And then it kept going and how that encouragement stuck with those students all those years later. Yeah. Yeah. That, that example just really stuck with me all week. I've been thinking about it and that's what I remembered most from the message too, but mm. the way you delivered it too and proved the point about encouragement too, was great. Yeah. Well, briefly for our listening audience who might not have heard the message, yes. it was a, uh, Abigail Van Buren, famously known as Dear Abby, you know, wrote it in newspapers mm-hmm. across the country for many, many years, told the story, I'll, I'll just sort of uh, abbreviate it, of a teacher that assigned the class uh, to write down every other person's name in the class and to write something nice about them. And uh, then when the students got the re- got the response and to see that all the other students in the class had so many nice things to say about him. They were genuinely moved, which again, that's what I meant was it could have been a great story in and of itself. But five or six years later, one of them was killed in Vietnam. And at the funeral, the parents of the deceased came up to the teacher, handed her the very paper that that young man, their son, had on his person when he was found dead. Uh, he kept it with him and his parents looked at the teacher and said he treasured that. And again, you could end the story there and say, oh my goodness, that's crazy. But then overhearing that was another student who says, yeah, well, here's mine. I keep it in my wallet. And then another student says something. They, they kind of figured out that almost every person in the class had kept that piece of paper that encouraged them. So that was your favorite part then, huh? Yeah, for sure. I just, yeah, I think it's such a great example, an illustration of how great encouragement can go and how it doesn't take much, but how little bit can go a long way Yeah, and stick with somebody. Yeah, for what it's worth, Tanner, you're the greatest technology guy we <laughs> ever have had. Well, I think you're the you. only one we've ever had doing this, but you know what? You're still the best. Well, thank <laughs> you. And we love you for your faithfulness, your quiet faithfulness, and you're amazing. You really are. And that's, just, that's not just flattery. So be encouraged, friend. Thank you. So. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great in- it's a great reminder of how what we think maybe is small means a ton to somebody or, you know, you just don't know whether it's a conversation, it's a smile, it's going out of your way. It's, it's a, it's a quick text. It's a quick stop by, drop off something, you know, a, a coffee or whatever. I just actually met with somebody over at the Sadell school district who works in the district office. And they were talking about like, they were saying like, 
my main goal this year is to encourage our teachers mm. and to love on our teachers because if our teachers are feeling loved and cared for and encouraged, that's going to feed down to the students, which is hopefully going to be better teaching, more love in the classroom, better results all around, you know, and, and, and she was just really excited about that. And just even the little things, just little notes, little pieces of candy, little, little gifts here and there to yeah. encourage. And that's, uh, but we should be doing that. Right. I mean, that's yeah. not, not just good, uh, spirituality, but good psychology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it works, if that works in the public school system, how much more in the church when it's real, it's not disingenuous. We're really trying to encourage, um, people and we need to do that for the sake of the unity of the brethren that's why the writer of hebrews said encourage one another daily yeah and i know that's even in our community groups that's one of the big things too is like celebrate the wins when we see god working in someone's life when we see them being transformed to like to encourage them in that and yeah. say look hey I'm, I'm seeing this in you i'm seeing you walk with jesus or you made that you know you led your your spouse or your kids like we need to be able to to exhort people in that yeah. and encourage them and say, man, I see this in you. You know, uh, this shouldn't be our motivation, but I once heard somebody say many years ago that children become uh, experts in the areas in which they're praised. And uh, and uh, I remember I heard that about the time, and I was, this was in my first pastorate, and there was a kid, he was an absolute wild man. I mean, he would crawl under the pews while the sermon was going on, and they, nobody could control him. And I heard, the, and so one day I saw him sitting still. And so after the service, I walked up and I can't, let's just call him Danny. I don't know what his name was, but Danny, you were such a good little boy today. I couldn't believe how you sat so, so still and so attentive. I think that's so cool in you that the very next week, I mean, he was just sitting there staring yeah. at me with, with his <laughs> hands on his laps and, uh, <laughs> He became an expert in the area in which he was praised. Yeah. There's a little psychological element to that, but really we should just do it because it's the right thing to do and it helps to unify the body of Christ. Yeah. And it is an encouragement to just see so many people at Sailorville and the Engage Network just that are walking with Jesus, that are being faithful, that are loving on people, that are discipling people, that are evangelizing, you know, their friends and their neighbors. I mean, that is encouraging just that faithfulness, that obedience. I mean, that's such a, that's such a great thing. So speaking of obedience, speaking of parents, you had made a comment about, you know, just adorning the gospel. We get that, you know, our word cosmetic from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, our life is a spiritual house. You know, we're all fixer uppers, but then you talked about parents, uh, are you showing these characteristics to your kids? And you kind of, you know, prodded a little bit, which I think is a good prod. It's, it's probably a necessary prod for, for all of us, you know, like how are we training our kids? you know, like, do they have to be the smartest? Do they have to be the best athlete? Do they have to be the prettiest? Like that's what we're pushing and that's what we're all about, you know? And then you, then you kind of threw this down and you said, um, are we, are we challenging them to be lowly, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to, to be long suffering, to be lovers of people, to be lovers of Jesus, which I thought was a great word. I mean, that's a that's a challenge, especially in our culture and, and everything that's going on now. You know, there's so many things pulling at our affections and our time and our money and all this stuff. But like, what's at the the core of that? And I and I guess my question there too is like, what? Why does that seem to be such a an issue today with 
parenting and our kids. And I mean, wait, that could, this could be a whole podcast in itself, just this whole topic. But I mean, you kind of, you kind of pushed on that a little bit. And I think it's a, it's a good thing for parents to really say, what am I teaching? What am I showing? Because that is the, that is the thing you hear from kids is like, yeah, my, my, we go to church and we put on the show for an hour and then I go home and my parents are completely different. Mm. They're, they're not walking in gentleness and long suffering and patience and meekness and humility. So yeah, in response to that. Uh, well, I think what you just said was really, really good. And I, and it was really just sort of doubling down on what I said. And that was sort of a sidebar comment. I mean, it was just, I, and it came to my mind in my sermon preparation. I did put it in my notes because I thought, you know, this every once in a while, I like to put little sidebar comments in the message that, you know, this, you know, we'll get to the family in Ephesians chapter six, but for now, I mean, I mean, what came to my mind was when I was raised, I was raised in a pretty traditional home. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a gospel centered home necessarily, but it, there was a godliness, a form of godliness that wasn't uh, disingenuous. Sorry to use that word again. It was seemed to be genuine. I had parents that loved me and they went to church and, and, uh, but my, my mom was a stickler for, uh, having a humble attitude. Uh, she, she would, uh, when someone would come to our house, we kids had to get up and shake, walk to the door, greet them by, by terms like Mr. And Mrs. And, uh, and we shook their hands. Now it sounds kind of, I know it sounds kind of Victorian and all that. We weren't that way about it, but my mom was really big about showing humility to older people. And, uh, that really stuck with me. Uh, I, and, you know, we live in a generation that's, that is so narcissistic. It's all about me. And if I couldn't accomplish it, by golly, my kids are going to accomplish it. If I couldn't be a state champion, my kid will be a state champion, you know. And, and uh, it, it's just so maddening as a pastor to see parents run all over creation, following their children rather than having their children follow them and their example in lowliness and gentleness and patience and forbearance. Uh, I just owe to God to bring about revival in the church where those kinds of humble characteristics are, are really exemplified both amongst one another and in our families. Uh, I'm not trying to be a prude. I think kids, let's have, let have kids have yeah. fun and all yep. that kind of stuff. And I'm not against sports. I love sports. Yeah. I like, but please, uh, let's start with their character. I think I made the comment a couple times, you know, maintaining the unity of the, you know, the spirit and the bond of peace doesn't, doesn't take power. It takes, doesn't take great power. It takes great character. And I think that's what Paul is getting at there. Yeah, that's a, that's a consistent, uh, consistent issue and and um i think you talked about humility and you you did you did make a comment kind of right i think right after that you know the church needs more humility mm-hmm. and then you said i need more humility mm-hmm. what do you mean by that what do you mean by the church needs more humility well just again demonstrating those things both individually and corporately being humble i mean the fact that i mean abe you've been on the front end of uh of uh, being involved in our culture right now. We're trying with what our ministry we call Heart for Des Moines. And we're just, it's sort of, it's, we've got six or seven points of opportunities to serve the Lord in our area. They're all pretty humble areas. Mm-hmm. They're humble situations that we're, whereby we can reach people in the community. 
so no so not only by our words but by our actions to show that kind of humility and to increase in it and i need to to do that as well uh both as a husband as a as a father as a pastor uh i i you know that's why i said you guys it was pretty funny i mean i don't i don't was it the one tanner was it the one you posted that was the third service you posted isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. so i actually told in the third service what took place in the second but that was so funny because i said i i i kind of raised my voice at that point didn't i I, you know and it's enough to say that the church needs more humility and some guy in the near the front said amen and then i said I need more humility. And the guy just says, amen. Again. Amen. And I mean, it brought the house down in the second. So they just roared with laughter. And all I could do is say, you know, thank you for affirming that. <laughs> but uh, for sure, both need it, starting with me. Yeah, we were talking about that in our, in our community group uh, last night with our men's community group. We were talking about what we want to show, show our kids, you know, and we, we have expectations for our kids. But then, like, are we, are we actually showing that? You know, whether it's forgiveness or gentleness or all of those, all of those characteristics, how are we, how are we actually showing that to our children? Because that they're watching that, right? More is, yeah. more is caught than taught. And they're seeing, okay, are we actually, are we actually doing uh, what, what the Lord has called us to? And there's several, there's several things that were listed, you know, gentleness. Uh, we talked about gentleness. Meek is not weak power under control. I thought that was a great comment. And then patient, long suffering, bearing with one another, tolerating one another, not re not necessarily reacting, but responding in love. And I thought that was, um, we're, we're going to have, you, you talked about, you know, quarrel is going to be a lover's quarrel. Mm. And, you know, we're obviously a bunch of sinners trying to do life together, walk in unity, walk with one another. And yet there's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be some friction. There's going to be some tension there. And, and how do we, you know, I think the key is how do we deal with it, right? What you brought up, how do we reconcile? And um, what, what would you say to somebody that's, that's maybe in the church or listening to this that would be like, you know, I do have, I feel like there's there's tension. I'm getting poked by the branches. Like you talked about in the, they're, they're gouging me or I'm feeling like they're, they're attacking me. Like how, how do we deal with reconciliation? How do we, because there's people that, you know, they, they rub me the wrong way. I don't like the guy in my community group or they, they do this and that. Like, how do we, how do we deal with that? Well, first of all, the text does say eager. In fact, I think the new King James says endeavoring. It carries the idea. Remember of we you, we said this there's this idea of speed we're going after it and that's not natural to just say oh, i'm not reconciled with them i'm going to go after this and reconcile with them i mean but that is what we're supposed to do and i just you know we sometimes we use the word family and it just sort of goes over like wah, 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 you know but if we're family think about your family now i i've known i've only known big families in my entire life i I, I just went to lunch with somebody who only has one child, and uh, and I was intrigued by how their family dynamic worked, and we talked a lot about it. But I, you know, I was number eight out of nine, so we are a family of eleven people under one house growing up, and then for many many years in my own home, twelve of us, you know, ten kids, and uh, so as a family, you've got all kinds of personalities. Some of them were more prickly than others. Some were gentle than others and some in between. And you just have to figure out how to, how to work through situation. You don't just, you know, if, if a couple has a quarrel, 
What do, what do they do? Do they go, you know, have a get court. divorce? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go get the lawyer and 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 no, they. So do they brood for? Well, maybe is it good to brood? No, but do you, I mean is it good to have a uh, to go a couple of days where you're cool with one another? That's not good either. It it happens. It's reality. But let's at some point the couple says okay we got to sit down and have a conversation here because I screwed up or I think you screwed up more than I screwed up. So why don't you go for, I mean, I mean, humility says it's going to start with me and I'm going to say, honey, I, I, I just really messed up with that. Would you please forgive me? I shouldn't have done this or whatever. And just eventually you have a conversation, you work it out. Almost every family does this. How much more, and not how much more, but if, it, if the church is a family and it's, it's called a family in this very epistle, then let's act like a family and work out our issues with one another rather than just run away. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, we have a large church. There's, you know, nearly 1,400 people coming here every Sunday, and that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it would be easy to run from somebody you don't like or avoid somebody. I get that. You get that. Uh, I don't think God gets that. I think God says... Uh, I need to take the path, not of least resistance, but perhaps of more resistance. It's nice to go through those branches that you just kind of go through because they're nice, but then every once in a while you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a conversation with the prickly one, and hope you don't get gouged in the process. <laughs> <laughs> and if if we are walking with the Lord and our hearts are right, though, that should that conversation should glorify the Lord, right? Iron sharpening iron. I think. I think I read that today or yesterday or whatever, but that whole that Proverbs twenty seven, you know, yeah. where it talks about iron sharpening iron, and and that that should be the if we're going to be a testimony to the outside world. I mean, to disunity in the church, like what kind of testimony is that right. to to our community? Right, like oh yeah, Sailorville's over there, they're bickering and fighting, and they they have this. Well, what a terrible testimony! I mean, there's if, yep. if if we're going to show love of Christ and the unity, I mean, that should be evident within the church. And if people have the right attitude, we should be able to, if someone comes to me or I come to somebody else, we should be able to reconcile that yep. and deal with it because that's what God's called us to. And I love, I love the, what's the verse where, you know, in the day that you hear it. Um, yeah. Numbers 30. Yeah. Yeah. In the day you hear it, you know, that's that the whole principle of a, back in the old Testament of a father's daughter made a rash vow. The father could make the vow null and void if he did something right away, got right after it. In fact, just the other day, I had a situation like that, Abe. I had something that came to my attention and um, something that I had said to somebody that was uh, off the cuff. I was joking. I really was joking, but it had a little bit of a demeaning element to it. It was about a year and a half ago I said this. And, and I said it about somebody else. That somebody else, just a couple months ago, found out that I said it. Whoops. So then I was sort of faced with what am I going to do about this? And, uh, and so I had, I, I, I said to my wife, I said, I guess I need to take the, I need to take that principle of numbers 30 and make some phone calls. I did. And, you know, I feel a lot better for it because I had great conversations with parents and it was all taken care of. Mm -hmm. It was good, but that isn't always the case. But I'd also go back to the, the Proverbs 27 that you alluded to is 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens the countenance of another. Well, if you think about it, I mean, that's a cool statement, but iron, when iron meets iron, 
Sparks. There are spark, sparks. <laughs> so let's not be mamsy pamsy here. I mean, let's be honest. When there are issues, it isn't like, oh, thank you, Abe, for coming to me. This is so wonderful. Yes, I forgive you. And this is great. And no, it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes you got to wrestle this thing out. Sometimes just like in a family has to wrestle through things. And, it, you know, the tent, the temperature can get a little, can raise, can rise up. But if we love God and we love one another, we're going to get this thing taken care of. And eventually we move on in unity. Yeah. And if my attitude and the way that I come to you and speak to you and share with you is with um, an attitude of love and care for you to make to help you be more like Jesus, right? Like right. it's not, it's not an attack on you. It's not a, I'm coming after you, but it's, I'm doing it in love because I think this is going to help you. It's going to help you be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better whatever. Right. And, and that, that's the goal behind it. Cause I want to see you walk with Jesus yep. not, I'm going to get my pound of flesh and I'm going to, Oh, I can't wait to beat him down and tear him down. I mean, that, yeah. that, but I love that principle the, the, in the end of the day. And, I, and, and, you know, you've modeled that as, uh, on staff and here at the church. And I think that's something that is really good because you even, you've said before, the longer you drag things out, the more you drag in. Yeah. And that's a great, I think that's a great statement that it usually is, right? You, you just keep dragging it out and just, then we start making up our own stories instead of just, let's just talk about it and deal with it. Somebody else gets involved. You told somebody else. I mean, the whole you know, there's a biblical, in biblical counseling, we say you should act, not react. Uh, and I, that's good because I'm a reactor. I mean, by nature, I'm a reactor. That's hey, hard oh, for you to realize, believe that. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it's, it's more godly to think about it and act. Because when we, when we react, we get proud, we get defensive, we get not hysterical sometimes we get hysterical but more often we get historical you know so we bring up something else oh yeah well well you did this you know i mean and then we're not nothing's getting taken care of then so i think in the family of god we got to have we got to have well i say it's warren wiersbe who said it. he said he said uh if i have a quarrel with the church it's a lover's quarrel that's a pretty good attitude to have i think that's what you're talking about here. yeah yep for sure okay so in closing we, we're talking about all this stuff, you know, about cultivating the inner man, about adorning the gospel, about being gentle, being patient, all of these different things. I think that's everybody's desire if you're a follower of Jesus. Like, I want to be that kind of a guy. I want to be that type of a man. How, how does that happen? Does that, if I just read my Bible, does that happen at church? Does that happen in community group? Does that happen at home? Like, how... How do we cultivate that? If that's something I desire, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Like, does that just happen? Yeah, that's a great question. And you use the word cultivate, which you know is a great word because I have it in the subline of my book, cultivating humility after humiliation. So there's my shameless plug for the podcast. There we go. But the word cultivate is an agricultural term. It comes from you know, from farming and, uh, you, you know, Abe, you're a gardener. Try to you, be. You, and you're good. You raise some good, great, <laughs> I've seen your gardens. Man, not awesome. this year, not too great this year. Yeah. Yeah. But they've, you're usually, if you're not too great is, is fabulous compared to what I put forth. <laughs> so like, what does it take to get a healthy tomato or, you know, beans or whatever you're growing? Is it just a matter of 
sunlight, rain, uh, good soil, and a good uh, a good hybrid of uh, the seed. Is that it? No. <laughs> right answer there, Abe. <laughs> I mean, you do need all those things. You need all of those things, but you have enemies that come in throughout the season. Those enemies can consist of things like bugs, blight. Uh, you can have enemies of weeds, weeds, weather, weather. I mean, so so in those cases, what do you do with those plants? Yeah, well, you've got to. You've got to figure out what the problem is and then give a solution, whether it's better soil or get rid of the bugs or pull the weeds or whatever. Yeah, in some cases, you might have to enhance the soil. In other cases, it might just need more water. In some cases, it might need you might need to do some extraction. You know, sometimes you got to dust the weeds or whatever you do, to, or not the weeds, but the plants to, to keep the bugs. There's a lot of things going on there, and it doesn't all take place on the same day. So when you put the seed in for, again, whatever, let's say your beans, you don't harvest those beans for, what, two and a half months or something like that? Mm-hmm. Quite yeah. a while. It, yeah. So and in that period, there's a lot of cultivation. So I think that's the answer to your question. It's all of the above. And to me, this is a great way to end this up. That's why our people need the family of God. They need to be in church. They need to be in their small groups, community groups, cell groups, uh, life groups, whatever your group calls your groups. You need that. And we need one another greatly. It's, uh, we, have a, we provide online church. I mean, not online church, but we got that, you know, and all of our services are live streamed. And, but they, they're not up there as a convenience. They're up there because people get sick because people have to stay home with somebody who's sick because they go on vacation and they do things. And for that, we thank the Lord. We get people sending us their pictures of traveling down the road to Colorado while they're watching the, right. that's awesome. But when they're here, they need the family of God for all of those reasons. Cause there may be a conversation that takes place in the foyer or the, or in the coffee cove here or uh, or just, you know, or right after church, there may be, it might not be the sermon or a song. It might be just a three minute interaction with somebody else that changes somebody's life. And that's why they need the family of God. They need all those things. And uh, that, that will keep us unified, tenderhearted and impactful in this world. Yeah, that's really good. I think the, uh, all the different pieces of that, even my, like my own kids have, they've pushed me, they've challenged me, they've questioned me, you know, and I, like, I need that. And people on staff and people in my community group and, um, friends that I have, I mean, like all of those things, my time in the word, I mean, you just, yeah, you put all those things together and it, it, I I think God uses that, especially if we have a, if we have a heart that wants to accept that and wants to get that. I think a lot of times we're like, no, 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 we don't, we put up this wall and just like, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to do that right now. I don't, I don't like it that you're telling me that I need to change, but yet, that should be our that should be our heart posture to want to be more like Jesus at the end yeah. of the day. Amen. So, thanks. Those are good good thoughts. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Thanks for this dialogue. It's been great. Thank you, Tanner, for joining us. Thanks, Tanner. God bless you all.